The Chase Thomas Podcast will begin in just one second. But first, a message from my good friend, not that Ryan Adams. Henry, I swear to God, you're like the most difficult person to get on the phone ever. It's insane. By the way, I'm sitting in my truck and I can't do what you said to me. All I know is your name is the most obnoxious you've ever seen on my screen. But yeah, I hope all good with you ignoring me. So yeah, see you, buddy. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello, and welcome back to a Monday evening of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined, as I am every single Monday night, my good friend, Evan Swords of 49ers Hub. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, man? Not too bad. Not too bad. You made a you made a big appearance at Faded Comedy. I see that on Twitter all the time, that that's the, that's the NBA Twitter spot. So did you make the rounds? Did you meet everybody from NBA Twitter over the weekend? You know, I've, 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 I've definitely, uh, my, my buddies put on faded. Um, and so I've had the pleasure of meeting some really cool people, you know, just in general, you know, like obviously Zach Harper, uh, t- you know, talk hoops, uh, frequents there. Um, you know, everyone who's familiar with network, um, as well, you know, obviously he goes there a lot and that's Jason Concepcion who uh, was at uh, the ringer and now is, uh, how is he? He's, he's great, man. It's always good to see him. And uh, my personal excitement, I finally got to meet Kofi, uh, mm. who is one of the nicest dudes in the world. Great, great content creator and uh, just a very talented dude. So, yeah, it's it's always cool to go to that show because it's great comedy and great comedians. But it's always just, you know, genuinely talented uh, people. And, you know, it's always good to be around those people. Well, I didn't realize, and uh, this just jogged my memory on uh, something that uh, someone referred to you as like Chris Hemsworth in the crowd because of uh, all the gym reps you've been getting in. And then we got Eric Thompson, <laughs> Thor Jace up there in the Northwest. People call him Skull Thor. People forget. People forget. Eric Thompson of the Daily Mor- Norseman is always is also here. I'm speaking very fast tonight. Eric, good evening. How are you? I am doing great. It is great to be back on the show. It has been way too long, and I am excited to. We're we're almost getting through this dead period of, and we're getting to real life football sooner than we know. July thirty first seemed it seemed a lot further out than it did, and then I realized, oh, it's July twelfth. So training yep. camp's actually only less than three weeks. So that's not that bad. We can get through it, guys. It really. I'm not gonna lie. This definitely feels like the longest off season ever. But it's such a crazy balance, right? Because normally the NBA season would have ended a while back, right? Yeah. So it's like the NBA season's not over yet, but football's going to start in a few weeks. It's just like, my I don't know, my head's spinning. It's funny yeah, you say I mean, that. It, oh, yeah, go ahead, Eric. Well, no, I mean, July is usually just a bunch of dog days baseball. That's it. I mean, but yeah. this last weekend alone, I mean, they had the, the Euro finals, they had the Copa America finals, they had the UFC fights and the, the NBA finals still going on. It's it's kind of a, it's 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 a lot easier. Yes, this offseason for the NFL has felt like forever, especially just because like with everything else going on in the world, but it has been nice to have a lot of other sporting distractions. Definitely. For sure. I will say, I wrote about this, I don't even remember which day it was, but I, I felt kind of guilty. Uh, I think it was my mailbag thing on Friday, 
where someone asked me about like the Hawks run and like I felt so guilty about how relieved I was that they were off my television on Friday nights for the first time in forever. Like they were playing Friday and Sunday nights for uh, two months straight into the summer. Like with that, the Braves watching other NBA playoff games with Lane United playing every now and then. And then you just, there's just so much stuff on the, the, the NHL. Like it was, I was overloaded. And then you guys know, like I, I, I watch a lot of pro wrestling too. It's like one of the cool things. One of the cooler things about me, I, I will say is my, my pro wrestling knowledge and the fact that uh, I spend a ridiculous and preposterous amount of time watching that. But um, yeah, it was just, it was a lot. So I was just like, I, if I actually believe the Hawks were going to win the finals and that they actually had a shot at it, then I would probably not be as annoyed, but I'm like, they're dragging this out. I, you're not winning the title. I know it's not happening. I know we're not winning the title. Let's, we're dragging this out. And then my guy Cam goes off, and I'm like, all right, I'm back in. But, man, yeah. I, I'm just – I'm glad I have my weekends back, at least temporarily, until football season when it's gone again. Like, I've already prepared the girlfriend. I'm like, Tennessee and Falcons are coming back in, like, a month and a half. Like, I'm gone on the week. Like, it's it's coming sooner rather than later. So we need to knock out every – we need to hit the mountains. We need to – knock off everything we're going to bonnaroo in a little bit but like you nice. gotta you gotta check some stuff off because i am gone eric you can yeah. you can sympathize with this like how do you oh. how does your wife and like and your children how does that work on the weekends with your with your north dakota state <laughs> and minnesota vikings watching how does football season work for you yeah, it's it's I, I cram it in when i can and especially i think we have even between now and football season i'm at least two i think three camping trips before then so like we're, we're we're packing everything in we're, we're we are definitely doing the, the the minnesota summer there's been a lot of pool a lot of lake and uh it but yeah i i have my sunday afternoons that's the that's a uh, prime nap time for my wife <laughs> but you, the, you, yeah. you know what no oh, well, go ahead go ahead no, that, that no, that was it. That's basically that. That's the agreement. She gets she gets to rest, and the, the girls get to keep busy doing something else, and I get my three and a half hours to get either really way too happy or way too upset, depending on the Vikings result. I do love that we're both gonna we're gonna both have something in common this year, and I think we'll both be personally rooting for Trey Lance. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Except the one, except that one game in uh, week twelve, I believe. I'll, right. I'll, I'll, have, I'll have to root against my guy that one week, but yes, absolutely. Yeah, that might, who knows? That might be one of the weeks that he actually finally starts. Right. What are your thoughts, real quick? Let me get like a sixty seconds on on Trey Lance. You know, as a big 49ers fan to to you know to San Francisco. I mean, I I'm obviously very biased as a North Dakota State alum, and then I'm watching him. He the the potential is so enticing. I mean, it's he's he's got all the tools. He says and does the right, all the right things. I mean, it, it's like you you built a, a rookie quarterback in a lab, basically. I mean, he, yeah. the, the potential is, is absolutely there. That said, he played one year and uh, and one game that he didn't play that great in. But, of course, that was they were just throwing that in to showcase him for COVID. So it I wouldn't mind if he doesn't get thrown to the fray in week one, if if Jimmy G can actually start and uh, hold hold the fort for a little bit, because I think he there are some things he definitely needs to polish. But it just the potential. It's I mean, that's that's what the 49ers saw. That's why he went with the third pick with such limited time against, you know, not of the, the top. You know, they're not playing against the SEC every week. They're, they're playing some decent competition, but it's it's definitely not the same. But it's 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 I'm going to be very excited. I'll be definitely following along with his career and that that first game that he does start i'll be watching intently yeah that's awesome man it's good to hear well 
before we move on to tonight's shows, I am curious, as someone who has watched a lot of Carson Wentz in college and a lot of Trey Lance in college, the biggest fundamental difference between the two of them and why Evan should have more optimism about Trey than Carson Wentz and Indy is what, Eric? Well, that's that's a great – I mean, Carson Wentz was really good for a while. <laughs> it, it's mm-hmm. I really think it. whatever happened to Wentz this last – year and a half two years it's it's i really think a lot of it's between his ears i think whatever he he got and of course the the offensive line he was playing behind in philadelphia did him absolutely no favors the wide receivers he had did him no favors even that though he i mean just the throws that he was making with ease the first couple years in the league he was absolutely just just missing things that were wide open can he get reunite with frank reich and uh get back on the right track in indianapolis sure maybe but like that's but i i just think the, the Trey Lance is just first. I mean, Carson Wentz is a great athlete, but Trey Lance is a, a, a special athlete. And he can do a lot of the things. He can make all the, the throws and all that stuff. It, it is, I mean, the, but Lance isn't an absolute guarantee. As much as I'd like to claim that he's going to be the, the next best thing in, you know, in a long line of great quarterbacks with the 49ers, he does have a lot to prove still. But right. again, it, it's, it's, he has all the tools there, and I mean, what better person to learn under that to start your career than Shanahan? So I, I, I'm definitely excited about it. And the, yeah, there's no guarantee he, it could go sideways for him, and especially if he's thrown into a, a, not a great situation. But he has a pretty darn good situation in San Francisco. That's why I was excited for that the 49ers drafted him. Yeah, 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, you look at a guy like Lance, who's quite literally talent personified, right? Just overall arching, flowing, like just untapped potential and you're putting him in a in arguably the best possible situation for him so i mean wince has got a wince has definitely got a nice little redemption possibility the the colts are an amazing team they're one of the best gms in the nfl uh you know obviously they've got a really good offensive line that uh i don't think philadelphia has seen anything like that in quite some time uh, I think he'll he'll definitely have a possibility at a nice little redemption, but yeah, no, it's not, it's nothing close to what Lance is going to be able to do. He'll have Lance is going to have a lot of confidence with these weapons, this line, and this coach. Absolutely. Um, a couple notes before we get into our NFC North preview tonight. Um, Sean McVay, Eric. He he thought the Niners might go Pitts at number three. Evan's gonna be biased in this answer, so I'm gonna hold Evan off here for a second. Did when you heard that, when you read about this, or if you listened to the Fine Coach podcast, did you did you buy that at all that they would really be trading up for Kyle Pitts and that the the plan may have been at least a little bit that they were like, well, who can stop? George Kittle and Kyle Pitts in one scheme. Like, was Kyle just overthinking? Like, do you believe Sean McVay actually thought that? Maybe just because I think the 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 opinion even around the league, I think on Shanahan is like, I can make I can make any quarterback kind of look good. I think mm-hmm. that was what he had with Jimmy G, and I mean that's a really fun sliding doors moment. I mean, having what very well could be two of the top maybe three or four tight ends in the entire league in the same offense and this right. fun stuff they do with the tight ends in Shanahan's offense I mean that was that of that would have been really interesting but yeah I don't I I don't know how much credence I would take in that I mean I, I think we've seen Jimmy G's ceiling like I'm mm. obviously again I'm, I'm I'm biased about Trey Lance but and there's no guarantee with him but he could definitely be amazing and 
yeah, they already have a pretty decent tight end in San Francisco. And again, like that, you can never have too many weapons. And, and with how many teams are running the the bigger sets, it's uh, really interesting, especially in Shanahan's offense. That would have been just mind blowing to see. But I think the 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 49ers probably made the right choice. It is a fun. It's a really fun offseason topic to talk about, though. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there is a world in which the 49ers could have seriously taken uh, pits. And I, I just think it would have been a world in which maybe they didn't take Brandon Ayuk last year. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Debo has the same health issues or maybe even worse health issues. And, you know, I think maybe it's a possibility. But when you have George Kittle, when you've boosted your offensive line in that offseason, you know, in this uh, this draft plan that they obviously had, you know, and then you have Ayuk and, and Debo. It's just it, it, it was never going to happen. I, you know, I could have seen him maybe doing that in a world where Pitts might have made it further down and they had to trade it up. But trading three, you know, having three first round picks traded for the number three overall pick, it was never it was never a possibility. I mean, I, I would have given it less than zero percent chance <laughs> if I could. Well, it also affects me. Evan, like what if he had done that, if they had gone pits, if they had traded up for pits, Trey Lance is a Falcon. Like, that's the thing is like the Falcons went pits because the Niners went Lance. If the Niners go Jones or pits or whoever, anyone not Trey Lance, Trey Lance but is a Falcon right now. That's what my point is, though. Like to even entertain that thought mm-hmm. is just it's a disservice to your mental health. <laughs> it, it, it was it was never going to happen, you know? Like I think I, I think McVeigh and Kyle are probably much closer friends than we all probably already think he is because they're they're obviously you know tight and used to work together and stuff like that. But like McVeigh is obviously just fucking with people, right? Like that was he was probably saying it in the context of like, yo, I am glad that Pitts is not on the 49ers. Um, but it was never gonna happen. Yeah, I wonder I'm, I'm if. I wonder if part of it is he, because Sims is probably feeling the same way. And this is another uh, interesting intersection between y'all's two teams is just like, what we know about Kyle's obsession with Kirk Cousins and just the the Kirk Cousins possibility in San Francisco looming over that the, franchise for years. And the one that got away. The one that got away for <laughs> Kyle. But like that was the whole like that was the whole rationale behind the Niners trading up for Mac Jones is like he loves he loves uh, guys like that. And that was that was the idea behind it. And then, of course, he goes somewhere else. But I do think McVeigh is looking at I think he's probably factoring that in as to why he thought Pitts was an option. If he thought Pitts was the best player in the draft and the best offensive player for sure in the draft, then that like Shanahan would be like, oh, Jimmy G can do this. Like, I'm sure McVeigh thought that Kyle may have considered just being like, you know what? I should go quarterback here and Jimmy has his limitations. But how much of a genius will I be? If I pull off Jimmy maximizing all of these guys around him, like I like I have my guy who will do whatever I need. He won't improvise. He will do exactly what I need. He understands everything. Super smart, super high football IQ. It's going to be great. Um, I'm just going to give him the two, like two of the four best tenets, like Eric said, um, on the planet. Like, I think that's I, I could see that scenario. Yeah, I, I'm, again, I don't think there was a, a, a ton of a chance. It's it's fun to think about, but it I I think everyone kind of landed where they should have. Mm. Yeah, well, I I don't I don't know about that, Eric. Uh, I'm not sure if they all landed where they should have. As someone who took <laughs> well, at least Kyle at Pitts, least those two. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I I don't I don't know. It, it's so hard for me this whole off season. Like 
trading Julio has actually been more uh, detrimental to my mental health than taking Kyle Pitts because I think if you keep Julio, like, ah, I, I can't get down this rabbit hole. Oh no, no, yep, yep, that I, is a that, that is a rabbit hole for Falcons fan. I, I understand. <laughs> I, it's really hard not to just push you further in. I'm not gonna lie, like. <laughs> After the 49ers and fans in general had to deal with the, the you know, uh, Mac Jones and, and the, you know, the Matt Staffords of their, like, like the fact that you lost Julio has got to be hard, but, like, bro, like, you don't got it that bad. Well, the reason we lost Julio is strictly because of salary cap reasons. Like, that is what, what blows, is just losing right. someone like that, your best player in franchise history, because the cap was so mismanaged and that Terry Fonnott had nothing else he could do to, he could not literally sign his draft class without making a move like that. That is, that is just preposterous. And, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. Still don't. <laughs> I got a take for you guys. A little bit of a spicy take. Don't like trading all time greats for salary cap reasons. Don't like it. It's not my Big cup of true. tea. Big if true, yes. I'm not gonna lie. I never, I never graduated college, so I, you know, I, there's only so much that I can partake in this type of uh, scientific discussion. Mm -hmm. But it feels like you're right. <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, don't like it. The numbers suggest that uh, this is not a. Great I'm an thing. uneducated man, but I feel like you're you're speaking facts. Mm. I, I mean, it's very possible. It's very possible. It the first time for everything for me. Um. But speaking of the Falcons, guys, Terry Fonnott was on with Robert Mays on the Athletic Football Show, a very good podcast that everyone should check out if they have not already. But um, he was talking with Fonnott, and obviously I had to listen in for this. And Fonnott confirmed that he was kind of his hands his hands were tied coming into this this situation, and that the Julio stuff was always going to be a possibility because of just where the cap was and not being able to sign. His entire draft class was a real thing, and he's also trying to balance with Arthur Smith and Arthur Blank and Rich McKay that they are not going to do a a total teardown. They are they don't have rebuild in their vocabulary, according to Mister Fonnot. So they are going to be trying to thread this seemingly impossible needle of rebuilding or retooling, I guess while keeping Matt Ryan, keeping a lot of these pieces and hoping that they can get enough out of Calvin Ridley, number one, Pitts will blossom really quickly before Matt Ryan starts to really show his age. The offensive line comes together, all that kind of stuff, and he can get the cap a little bit right so that he can make some more defensive additions like that. That's ultimately what they're going to try to do, but they couldn't even try and thread that needle without moving Julio Jones. So it, it is an interesting thing, but it is something that I just think about a lot is that Fonnot came from New Orleans in a situation where the salary cap uh, doesn't matter, apparently, because nope. they just like Ramzik just got an extension and they just find money for everybody. Um, he knows how to navigate this. So, and that I think is really important with what the Falcons are trying to do, which is basically what New Orleans did those last couple of years with uh, Drew Brees. I don't know. I think it's all very interesting and it's a very interesting challenge for Fontenot. Uh Evan, what do you what do you make of the Falcons never really considering a 2021 rebuild? Well, you know, I think in the same way that they were forced to trade, you know, the most one of the most pivotal players in Falcons history in Julio Jones, I think they were kind of forced to go, uh no, we can't rebuild guys. They've got Matt Ryan, you know, in a contract that's there is no getting rid of him this year. 
And I think, you know, Matt Ryan is a good enough quarterback that if you got a semi-decent roster, you know, and you got him on the team, you got to give it a shot. And I, I think, you know, there was never really another option because of Matt Ryan's contract. I think if there was a way to have an out this year, like, you know, you probably would have seen the uh, maybe a rebuild or like a full fire sale to get like as many draft picks as possible before this draft with all the quarterbacks and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, it just, they just, you know, they really have been put in a pretty terrible situation as far as being able to have decisions, right? Like they had no decisions this year. They had to trade Julio. They had to go for it because of Matt Ryan, you know, next year, I think the Falcons are going to be, you know, much more capable to kind of be flexible and move around and, and make some plays and things like that in the off season. But like, it's going to be a tough year for Atlanta because they're not going to do as well as you want them to do to maybe really like make a playoff run, but they're not going to do bad enough where you're going to get a good draft pick. So you're going to be in this like weird purgatory. Eric, what do you think? Well, as a Vikings fan, I am very familiar with the the weird purgatory and a quarterback <laughs> that makes a lot of money. So uh, this this is feels this all feels very familiar in a bad way. No, but uh, it, I I get the fact that you know they weren't a four and twelve team last year. Yes, they were by their record, but I mean like all the metrics and everything. I mean they they had some amazingly Falcons losses, especially early in the season. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. I mean they were more of a five hundred type team, and that's what I think they're probably going to be. Like maybe like I they seven eight nine wins. I think that's probably where they're going to be. That they definitely weren't aren't going to be as bad as they were this past season. But yeah, it's it's hard to. It's not going to be a one year. All of a sudden, they're going to jump back in and be NFC contenders. I don't think, but it, it, it I, just exactly what Evan said. It's like you, there are that there's a lot of money tied up into the, the things that they really don't want money tied up, and and a GM as great as he can be, and as as much magic as they continue to pull off somehow in New Orleans with kicking the salary cap down can down the road, it's it's going to take a, a season or two, I think, to to realistically. Uh, make that kind of playoff run for the Falcons but I'm, I'm okay with the fact that they, they aren't blowing everything up they still have Matt Ryan and yes he just turned what 36 I think and mm-hmm. that's that is definitely not uh the end of your you know the absolute guaranteed end of a quarterback's career these days especially with how little they're getting hit relatively speaking to to previous uh generations of football I mean the Tom Brady is going to play till he's 57, apparently, and uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't really slowing down uh, in his late 30s. So, it, it, Matt Ryan could definitely get at least two, three more good seasons before he he kind of falls off the cliff. So, I I, I get it. it. They are in a very tough spot, I think, this season. But they're at, at blowing it up. I don't, there's no guarantee for that either, because we've seen that with NFL teams over and over again, where they they keep on trying to do these rebuilds, and then they're doing a rebuild with a whole new regime three, four years later. I mean, Chase, tell me this. What about a Matt Ryan restructure? Is that well, even like happened. on the – I understand, but I'm talking mm-hmm. like, you know, we're talking like Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> what about what about second breakfast, right? Like what yeah. about a second restructure? <laughs> I'm not talking about an extension. Well, I'm talking, fun uh, not talking about, about this, uh, like multiple dudes are getting restructured. That's how they're going to navigate. That's how you kind of thread the needle. Um with a, a half rebuild, a half measure is you restructure certain guys and you kick the can down the road with certain guys. So I think maybe he restructures again, but they're going to be, they're going to be other guys. Um, I guess Jake Matthews, um, you look at Ridley's not there yet. 
Um, uh, if Way Ocon is going to get paid, you have Deion Jones already got paid. You got a whole new secondary, really. Um, I don't know. I just think it will come down to restructures on the the higher priced guys, and then it all. Uh, Ryan's already been doing it though, so maybe he does it again. I don't know how it would work after this year, but he restructured this year, which affected their cap this year, it gave them less money this year, but it opened up more money for next year. So it's very complicated. It's very annoying. I need a salary cap guru to explain do you, it. Yeah. Do you think? What do you? I mean, like, it all kind of goes in like the way of Matt Ryan this year too. Mm. Like, you have to question like, what if Matt Ryan is like, hey, you guys are trash. Uh, I want out. Mm. I don't. You know think what that, I'm I don't like, think he's wired like that. I think he. I mean, he has a place. I, I know, it, like the area he's in in Atlanta. I think he's happy in Atlanta. I think he knows he's the greatest Falcons quarterback of all time. I think that he is happy. I think he would be more upset. Like basically, if they had not drafted Kyle Pitts, if they had drafted his replacement, if Lance is there, then I if think, they Aaron Rodgered him, yes, he would be upset and he would ask out. But I think by taking pits, even if it did mean trading Julio, I suspect Ryan and Blank and McKay have an understanding of like, hey, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and ride this out on a high note, even if it doesn't give you a Super Bowl, we're gonna put you in a position where if everything clicks the right way, the offensive line with McGarry and Lindstrom on the right side works out, that we're we're gonna be fine and that uh we're going to see what happens because you don't make those two first round picks uh, two years ago. Now you don't take pits. You don't take Ridley. You don't sign Mike Davis. You don't just do everything that they're doing. If you don't believe, if you're not, if you don't believe that Matt Ryan can still even pseudo contend, if all the things go the right way and Arthur Smith might just be an offensive genius. So we, we don't know. Like he has just done miracles with Ryan Tannehill. In Tennessee, so I don't, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a, it's a wait and see. That's what scares me most about the Falcons is that if things go the wrong way with Ryan this year, and this offensive line is really bad, especially at center uh, without Mac, and you have Hennessy, and still the questions at the left guard spot, and if Jake Matthews gets hurt or something at the left tackle spot, uh oh, gets bad pretty quickly. Um, does Pitt miss some, miss some games, or does Ridley not do well as the number one guy? Like, there's all kinds of doomsday scenarios. Where like oh then things can change in a hurry but as it stands right now I, I I think Ryan is is happy about what the Falcons are doing yeah but we'll see we'll see subject to change subject to change um Doug Peterson he's circling like more Doug Peterson Jalen Hurts Carson Wentz I don't know if I've I, I I'm so over this story I'm so just annoyed that this is still popping up and just what was going on and went handling the Hertz draft as poorly as he did and all that stuff, just all extremely strange stuff. But something I wonder about because he won a Super Bowl and because he had that one shot and because he came from the Andy Reid coaching tree, like him taking a year off, like what, uh, what Eric, what do you think Peterson's future is like in the NFL? Do you think he'll work, have to show his, kind of do the Jason Garrett thing and take an OC job and work his way back into the good graces? Or do you think he will get an NFL shot again next off season? Like maybe like a McCarthy type situation. Yeah, that's, I, I think he'll probably have to do the offensive coordinator route, but it's, it's, I mean, it's pretty incredible how far, I mean, this was, they won the Super Bowl in mm-hmm. 2017 and how far, 
fast and quickly he he fell from grace in in what seemed like a situation where it looked like the Eagles were going to compete every single year like that that team looked like they were completely stacked and they were doing everything the right way and he was pushing all the buttons and I mean obviously I think Peterson just got hot at the perfect time I mean Nick freaking Foles again this is really fun to talk about for me as a uh, <laughs> someone that covers the Vikings how the hell he played that amazingly for the the month plus that he needed to in, in the and uh, that run in the playoffs is just it's still it, it makes less and less sense as time goes on on all sorts of angles including Peterson but I think it's it, if we know anything about the NFL it's it's a it's a retread kind of league you know if you have a, a new and creative way to present the same kind of information I mean I'd I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get a shot at all especially at a coordinator position but I don't I don't I don't know how many teams would be chomping at the bit to to put him back as a head coach because I mean after that the the one magical year it, it failed pretty miserably in, in a hurry so maybe it's if if it is a head coaching job maybe something where he, he he doesn't have as much uh power and sway as he did in philadelphia yeah i mean we're just gonna look right like we're gonna look at doug peterson's little super bowl run and the Foles thing like that'll be like a, a trivia question for a mm. long time like we'll be talking about who's the head coach they're going to be like, who won this, you know, 20 years of like, who won the Super Bowl with the Eagles, right? Like Nick Foles never was meant to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And Doug Peterson, I don't know. I wouldn't say that he was never meant to be a head coach because, I mean, he, he had some things going for him. But Doug Peterson's going to need a little bit of a redemption tour. If I were him, I would go see if he could join some type of Sean McVay uh, coaching tree, as that seems to be the only way to get a job anymore. <laughs> Yep. Uh, so maybe, you know, maybe he can go to the same barber as McVeigh or, you know, whatever it, it may be. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's going to have to be the way that he approaches it. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I honestly, I'm very interested to see what next year's coaching cycle looks like as, you know, we're literally not even in the start of the season yet. Um, but I feel like there's going to be the potential for some really weird stuff to happen next year. You look at like, Pete Carroll and how old that man is. <laughs> Bill Belichick and yada yada yada. So, man, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a possibility. Like he 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 got edged out by uh, Bill O'Brien for that Alabama rehab job. Like, there's nothing like the Alabama right. program rehab. Uh, like Bill O'Brien uh, and Doug Marone are on that offensive staff. Like that is insane. They went the college route to coordinators, not even coaches. They they went back to that. Um, do we know if Peterson would be good in the Monday Night Football booth? I don't remember much Peterson interviews. Like, I don't he, think he would be a personality that I would want no. to pay attention to. No. Yeah, nothing really stood out. It's, I mean, he he had a lot of coach speak. Pretty, he was pretty generic, I think, as far as front of a microphone. Yeah, I I doubt he'd had much of an announcing career. You know who's sneaky good that they never talked about was Chuck Pagano. I think he'd actually have been good in the booth. I'd like to listen to Chuck Pagano. He he was a good guy to root for too. I, I would put Chuck Pagano in there. Um guys, are you ready to do the NFC North preview where Eric has promised beforehand that he will be completely objective about <laughs> his Minnesota Vikings and the fact that they are not indeed the favorites to win the NFC North, but you know, let's start with the Vikings, Eric. You are familiar with this with this franchise. Big year for Kirk Cousins. You have a Kubiak, I still believe, calling plays because a Kubiak has to call plays in Minnesota, it seems. 
Um, is it Clint with a K? Is that correct? It, it is. The alliteration, Clint Kubiak, yes. Yeah, I hate it. I hate the K, Clint. <laughs> like, I don't know what uh, what's up with that, but not a fan. I'm not a fan of Clint with a K. But um, the one good thing is whenever we can have a, another Shanahan, a Jace offense to watch on Sunday afternoons, like, we got to add another one. We got to watch, uh, we got to watch more of that. Um, the biggest question facing your Minnesota Vikings this season is what, Eric? Well, I mean, I feel like a broken record here because I think I've been saying this every preseason since about 2014, but it's probably the offensive line. I mean, that's it's it proves time and again to be the, the Achilles heel. Of course, last year it was definitely more on the defense because basically every single person got injured or held out or or both. It, it was it was a, it was a really tough. Uh, year and I think Zimmer absolutely reloaded that that defense but going into it I think two rookies there's there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to be good right away you have the first rounder in Christian Derrissaw at left tackle I think he actually might have a little less pressure to be good right away than the third round guard Wyatt Davis from Ohio State just because the Vikings have Rashad Hill at tackle who has proven that he can he can be a serviceable tackle. He's been a good swing tackle. The Vikings have kept him around at a pretty decent price. And when he's been called upon, again, he hasn't had to start 16 games in a season or anything, but he's been fine. Well, who hasn't been fine is Dakota Dozier, who was an absolute mess at, at guard. And that's why I think that in the one way you could always beat the, the, the Vikings the past couple of years is if you can get immediate pressure right up the, the, the middle against uh, what's been a pretty uh, a very shaky interior offensive line. And that's the easiest way to short circuit Kirk Cousins as well, is if you're getting if you're getting that quick pressure up the middle. So if again, no one's asking this Vikings team, I've, I've said this line several times, but it's like no one's asking them to be the, the 90s Cowboys. They don't have to be the best offensive line. They just have to avoid being a dumpster fire so that everyone else, all the other talented players on that offense can be good if they can do that and not regress and the offense the offense performed well enough the defense almost by default is going to have to be better with all the different people they either have coming back from injury or hold out or are just the the people that they've added and i mean it's they're they're practically getting the band back together i mean they they brought back mackenzie alexander they brought back sheldon richardson so they're they're they're, they're getting a lot of the the people that made Zimmer's defense really good. So, but again, it's, I think this is only as far as that offensive line can go because Cousins has proven that he can absolutely put up the numbers. He's not going to win it by himself. He, he has the, 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 the weapons around him to, to succeed. But if that offensive line is as bad as it's been for the last couple of years, I just don't see them being any better than pretty good next year. Yeah. I mean, I think the, a lot of, I think, what rides on the Vikings is is how their veterans can do this year because you have you have some players that if they have something left in the tank, you're gonna maybe have a you know really exciting team, right? Like Patrick Peterson, if he's got something left in the tank, it's gonna be great. You know, uh, I I think we kind of have to like hope that you get last year's cousins. Uh, I think Justin Jefferson is not gonna have any trouble repeating what he did last year, if not mm-hmm. doing better, just an absolute incredible talent. I got to say Brandon Ayuk is one of the most exciting wide receivers I've personally watched in a long time. And I'm so excited. The 49ers finally got a good receiver, like a genuine, like full route tree receiver. And the entire time I'm just like, fuck man, but look at Justin Jefferson. go! <laughs> like, come on. So I think, you know, I think the Vikings have done them done a, 
a really good job of like having a long, you know, rather than like a, you know, a straight up, like they have a very wide foundation. Right. Um, but they got to, those, those veterans got to play. If, if, if you, if you have Patrick, you know, Peterson and Xavier and, you know, Harrison Smith, like if, if, if those types of players don't come to play next year, it could get maybe a little ugly for the Vikings. It might be like yeah, week I, 13 when I realized that Patrick Peterson is a Minnesota Viking. Right. <laughs> like that is not, you just said that out loud and I hit like jotted back down in my notes. Like I have it in front of me, like Patrick Peterson is a, is a Minnesota Viking now. That, that's just really strange. That's going to take a long time to get used to. What yeah. well, I want to know. So Eric, can you tell me like specifically to those guys, right? Like, you know, your, your old school, like the last five year defense stars, right? Like, what are you expecting out of, you know, Harrison Smith and et cetera, et cetera? Well, I think Smith is, is his own case. I mean, he's probably not like the top one or two or three safeties in the league like he has been for several years. But he is still – he, he's kind of the fuel of that defense because he can line up everywhere. Just the, the pre-snap looks and how he can confuse opposing uh, offenses is still a very crucial part of the defense. But I think Peterson is a much bigger question mark just because – I think personally he was probably asked to do he's I mean it's pretty obvious over the last two seasons that he's not the Patrick Peterson the shutdown corner that he has been you know through most of his career but I think he'll he'll if if anyone can get him to play uh, back up to a, a pretty respectable level it's going to be Mike Zimmer he is a a cornerback guru and I think the Cardinals probably asked him to do a little too much I don't think Peterson is going to be asked to cover the number one wide receiver one-on-one a ton what he's going to have to do is you know get Hand, hand him off to people like Harrison Smith and, and Xavier Woods. That's that's a that's a pretty that's a low key pretty big signing because of course the Vikings lost Anthony Harris to free agency who didn't have nearly as good a 2020 season as 2019. So I mean they're going to depend on that. And you're absolutely right, Evan. Like there there are a, and it's like the Anthony Barr who's who's was hurt most of last season. I mean that's that's another huge. Uh, kind of re-addition to this defense because they're 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 definitely going to need it and i think the the breadth of talent they have they're talented at a lot of different positions in the vikings i don't think they're especially deep this year that's kind of a lot of the the stars and scrubs kind of uh roster building they've done the last couple years like if people miss significant time on the defense or you know heaven forbid if the Thielen or Justin Jefferson miss on the offense because there's a very big drop off after that number one wide two and number one and two wide receivers. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see. And you're absolutely right. They're going to need significant contributions from some of these players that are either coming back or that have just joined the team because what they had on defense absolutely did not work. And especially, uh, I, I think I I really like what they're going, you know, what they did in the middle of the defensive line. But there are still some question marks that need to be answered. And they, they're going to have to be answered by the veterans because I don't, I don't think they have the depth the, uh, if the the Pattersons and the Woods of the of, on the roster don't perform, I just don't think the defense is going to be good enough to contend. Well, and also let's all we didn't say probably nearly as enough as we should, but Daniel Hunter, we don't have to say a lot, we don't even really have to dive into it. But one more time for the people in the back, <laughs> Daniel Hunter, one of the one of the most impressive defensive players in the NFL. So, well, I mean that that yeah that re-addition is absolutely huge and it and it is daniel hunter and now it's spelled like daniel but it is uh, it's a, i had to 
uh, but it's but it, that's another question. If it, it's just kind of Daniel Hunter, he's the only real established pass rush. It's really nice to have Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce and and right. Sheldon Richardson is is nice because he can actually rush the passer up the middle. But the other side, right now, I think that the starter and on the depth chart at least is Stephen Weatherly, who is uh, a decent player, but he's not someone that's going to put a strike a lot of fear into into defenses they're going to need someone to step up on that other side and they're going to need hunter to come back and be daniel hunter again because that was right. i mean it was such a, a gaping hole on that defense well you did, did you guys Patrick get jones and Janarius robinson right like as the third and fourth round picks are they expected to be a big part of that rotation on the outside I think that I think they're definitely going to get their chances. I I think uh, Janarius Robinson. I'm, I was really interested with that pick. I thought that was a re- really nice value pick, and I I think it is going to be a rotation on the other side of Hunter. Hunter is going to get the lion's share of the snaps, and he's going to line up on both sides. But yeah, it, I think they're going to try to find the the right mix because I don't think it's going to be Weatherly's playing 65. And Mike Zimmer and his defenses, he likes to rotate the the pass rushers anyway. So I think you're you're going to see three, four, five different guys getting a decent amount of snaps, especially at the beginning of the season, just to see what they have. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I go back and forth on the Vikings, just because, like, when you see, like, how much of this, like, I had written down last year when I was thinking about the Vikings and, like, when the season went off, and, like, you talk about the offensive line. What's weird about the Vikings, too, and this is what scares me about the Falcons, and not to bring everything back to the Falcons, but, like, it's not as if Minnesota and Rick Spielman have uh, just not gone through and not invested in the offensive line, right? Like, you had Riley Reef, which feels like forever ago. You you drafted Wyatt Davis in the third round this year. You have Christian Darisaw drafted in the first round. You have Ezra Cleveland, round two. You have Bradbury, round one. You have um, Brian O'Neill, round two. Like, they've invested. Has it been just, like, them missing, or has it actually been, like, coming in like you were always okay with those picks they just haven't developed the right way is it a scheme thing and changing different schemes like that is something i wonder about because like you you talk about like this just being this thing that vikings have just dealt with and viking fans have just dealt with year after year but you're like well spielman is at least taken like using high draft capital on these positions it just hasn't worked out for what reason yeah i mean you're absolutely right i think it's the last over the last three seasons or something like that now the last three or four drafts maybe yeah i think it's three the last three drafts no team has invested more in the in the draft picks than the the vikings and it just has for you know that's the the spielman detractors uh, among vikings fans that's one of the very first things they'll point to is this they've had a lot more whiffs than hits but i mean brian o'neill second round pick he he's probably going to get a good extension this maybe during the season or uh, maybe right after the season. He's definitely the the right tackle of the future. And like Garrett Bradbury, again, that was, he has not, he's been fine. And again, he's been surrounded by absolute crap on both sides of him, basically his entire career so far, but he definitely hasn't been a first round quality kind of center so far. Then you have people like Pat Elfline, who's already off the team. They didn't even make it to a second contract with the Vikings. Like that's, it's the, it's the misses like that, that they've, they've really that have really hurt them and again they've they they have now they've spent that draft capital and that it should hopefully be paying dividends that's the thing again like there's a lot of pressure on Wyatt Davis and Christian Derrissaw to come out and perform right away and there's going to be a lot of pressure on Ezra Cleveland to perform wherever he ha- happens to end up on that offensive line that right now I think he's slotted at the at the left guard position 
as but it's yeah they that they, they've definitely it's not for lack of trying that's for sure with the Vikings but they just need they've had a couple of these picks maybe not be you know I think O'Neill was an absolutely it was turned out to be a great pick Bradbury I think the jury's kind of still out that the, the the Vikings are definitely hoping he can take a step up with a little better supporting cast around him, hopefully. But yeah, it's, it's, that's been the thing there. The Vikings are painfully aware that the offensive line isn't what it should be. And they've, they've, they've been trying. It's just a matter of finding the right guys and the right combination that the, and, and keeping them in, you know, that they've had so many different permutations and combinations over the last few years. If they can find the five most reliable guys, that's that could really make a huge difference especially for this upcoming season man that's weird i just wonder because like the niners they're developing they're they're working they're fine and then you have just it just seems like certain franchises are just snake bitten for whatever reason and Mm -hmm. i'm so curious to see what happens with new york this year because the jets have invested so much cap like like just off-season capital both through free agency through the draft like Mackay Becton is just a gigantic human, and I'm curious if Joe Douglas can fix that offensive line. And then you wonder, like, the Pats, like, with their longtime offensive te- offensive line coach retiring again, whatever is Scatamucci, I don't even remember what that dude's name was, but he was there forever, and they brought him out of retirement at one point during that dynasty. And, like, him gone, like, how much does that matter? Like, does that offensive line start to really fall off a cliff? Um, I don't know. I'm just – I'm very fascinated by that because it seems like – Every year, like if your team drafts a lineman, like an offensive tackle of some sort in the uh, first round, you're like, great pick. Like that is our natural reflex whenever they take an <laughs> offensive line. Great. You went offensive line. We need those. And uh, for some teams like the Cowboys, it, it works more often than other teams like uh, the Vikings or the Falcons or whoever. It's just I don't understand it. Like this would drive me nuts if I'm a Spielman. Like you're like, I, I saw the tape. He was good at college. like he should have worked. And right. uh, it just didn't. So I don't. But know. I think I think it, the 49ers are a great example of why good coaching matters. And I think we're actually seeing a renaissance of good coaching. I don't think we talk about enough. But you have to look at the 49ers and their GMs and the you know the the 2000s prior to cap and just how terrible they consistently were, right? And then you know you get that draft where they take Anthony Davis at tackle and they take Mike Upati at guard and they got Joe Staley, right? And it's like. That was the beginning of, of a change. And then even now, obviously, you know, when Kyle Shanahan joined the 49ers, I genuinely believe that the 49ers roster the year before was the worst roster I think I've seen on a football team in the last 20 or 30 years. Genuinely, like there's guys that were on that team like. Jeremy Curley was the n- number one wide receiver, if, if you remember. There was a, a running back named Sean Drone, real name. Uh but like when you, the point of the one reason why I'm being so dramatic there is if you look at how quickly and how efficiently Kyle turned that roster around, you then go, okay, well, if it is possible to take arguably one of the worst rosters in the last couple decades and flip it that fast, what's the common denominator? Sure, they had good picks. Sure, they they had some injuries that kind of even got the picks up a little bit higher, and they lost a lot of games to get there. But, like, when they have talent, Kyle Shanahan dials it up to 11. And I think good coaching can really do that. You saw the same thing happen with the Rams and Sean McVay, where for a long time you you thought that Jared Goff was a serviceable quarterback, right? And I think that's kind of where we're at now. If you can get 
good coaching and buy-in at all levels, you know, owner, GM, coach, like it's very easy to fix things. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope Arthur Smith and Clint Kubiak or uh, Adam Zimmer or all of the the young coaches, uh, the young upstarts who... All uh, the nepotism in Minnesota, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Only good things there. Only good things there. Evan, we're not... Did you know that Adam Zimmer is also the defensive coordinator? Yes, I do. Is I that, do, yeah. It's incredible. Um, Very interesting. Moving on two we'll do our pat like our final predictions on where we see this division ending up after we get through the four teams um the biggest question facing the detroit lions this season is what evan (laughs) (laughs) i mean what a transition but jared goff Mm. right you know i mean i don't think first off let me let me say this i don't think that he is worthy of the biggest question um just considering right like i don't know how much jared goff can move the needle um but i think the biggest question is going to be the head coach because he seems like a fucking psychopath (laughs) and i I mean i mean that you know i'm a guy who i love jim tom with all of my heart i am one of the biggest jim tom supporters in the world as far as a head coach that clearly wasn't the right world for him and he was funny and he was entertaining in good ways. This guy is not – he's funny and he's entertaining in bad ways. Dan Campbell is a walking, you know, like, quote, machine of just saying the dumbest shit on earth. And <laughs> and, and, I, and I think it's a good thing for the, to, for the, the Lions. Like, I don't think you're going to realize it right now with the Brashad Perrymans and the Jamal Williamses and things like that, and even Michael Brockers. But – they drafted Panay Sewell as one of the best offensive linemen of the last, you know, 400 years. The guy's an absolute monster, right? They've got guys on the team like Trey Flowers and Frank Ragnall. These are guys that are that can absolutely play. But I think they're going to be bad this year. I think Jared Goff needs a genius. Uh, you don't go from Sean McVay to Dan, what do you say, like, cannibalism Campbell or something like that. I don't know. I don't even know what he said. They're going to eat their face or something. I don't know. You don't. Kneecaps. Yeah. We're going to eat their kneecaps. Like you don't go from that big of a jump in head coaching and you expect good things. But the, but the thing that if you're a lions fan, one, you can't, you have lions fans aren't sad because lions fans are dead inside, right? They don't, they, you can't hurt them. They, they've already been hurt. You couldn't hurt them anymore if you tried. So I think they go, okay, we wait one more year. Goff is probably trash. Campbell's <laughs> gone after this year. But we've got some really exciting pieces. And they're going to have probably a great draft pick next year. They'll probably have a top three draft pick. Is that fair to say? I mean, Vegas hates the the Lions and the yep. uh, Texans this year. Like, there's right. No well, the Texans are going to have number one. Period. 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 Comma. Period. Texans <laughs> are going to have the number one draft pick. That's period. But if the, if you know if they can come out the number two, number three pick. Can I? Can we I'm, play a game, Eric? Have you cheated yes. and looked at the uh, the Lions wide receiver room since we did before we did this podcast? I mean, I t- I went over the the depth chart but i i I don't have it up and i just know it's like yeah we we talk okay here we go paraman paraman brashad paraman is one he's outside um oh they picked up that um that little guy that beat the 
Vikings from the Titans. Um, yes. What? Khalif Raymond, right? Is that his Correct. name? Correct. Yes, he's yes. in a starting role. Oh, no. <laughs> is he? Yes, he is. Don't, don't oh, wow. forget about Raiders legend Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams, yep. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Um, boy. This had... is one – like, this is awful. They, they have the other St. Brown, right? They yes. have the, the, the Packers guy have – Equiminius or whatever, and this yes. one is Amon Ra St. Brown. Amon this is the USC, this USC, is the USC guy, one, right? Yeah, yeah. He actually but, might be pretty decent, but yeah. but also DeAndre Swift is a motherfucking dude, and you know DeAndre Swift is a very good running back. And if I am the Lions this year, Jared Goff, you're going to hand the ball to DeAndre Swift, <laughs> you know, and we're going to try and run him towards uh, Panay's side. And, uh, you know, I don't know, man. Trey Flowers is a big dude. Maybe he can come help Locke. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, Anthony Lynn is going to be calling plays. And he came out and he All talked right. about this. And he was like, he was going to take the year off like Peterson. And he took this job as OC because he saw something special brewing. And I don't know what that is. Like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, what, 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 what am I It's called here? like $2 million salary. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's taking money rather than sitting at home for a year. Yeah, I think I, that's probably a big part of it. And also, is there is there someone on this team you feel more sad for than Jeff Okuda? Mm. I feel so sad for Jeff Okuda to have to go in with Dan fucking Campbell and just no. Be I that. Actually, I would say the opposite because they got Aaron Glenn now calling the defense, and he was really good as a secondary coach in New Orleans. I think this is good because Okuda was one of the worst coverage corners in football last year like he was awful i remember going through that pff tape of just like him getting burned you just follow the guy and you're like oh my god like okuda was awful last year like awful it can only go up for him (laughs) yeah i mean i just feel bad for him he needs it dre bly is not walking through that door um (laughs) i will say the quarterback room here like with david blau and tim boyle like the minnesota vikings have the all-time best college quarterback room like evan i know you're not a bigger like a big college guy but this for all my college football stands out there who tune in on thursdays for the the matt green show with us um the quarterback room right now in minnesota is kirk cousins michigan state legend kellen mon texas a&m legend jake browning washington playoff quarterback and nate stanley who was at iowa for like 14 years like just won a bunch of games there like this four-man quarterback room in Minnesota blows my mind. It's like the all time. Like I would love to get those four in a room. If I was like, this is your assignment, Eric, if they open it up, just get those four in a room and just be like, is it not insane that all four of you are in the same quarterback room because of how long you were all at your respective colleges and just how many wins you all piled up together. Like this is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, that is a lot of college wins between those four. Like that. It's pretty amazing. And like Mond pr- might have, the least actually probably i'm almost certain he has the least amount of them just mm, because that's a good Stan, like like you said stanley was there for a million years browning won a ton of games in washington and cousins did yeah i'd i'd, I'd have to go double check but I, I bet i mean yeah again that's for really so much grit you know, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah that's a very good way to put it because so much if, grit. If, if browning or stanley sees the field in the regular season i think the vikings are kind of big trouble so mm. but that's a that's the one thing that's uh, uh kirk cousins superpower is never ever getting hurt so well, sims loves kellen mond does that scare you at all i, I don't know because he he hits he on hits. some of these exactly. i know like it's like like i, I again i'd be shocked if he 
play as much at all this year because A, Cousins doesn't get hurt, and B, they're paying him too much. But it's, uh, yeah, like that's it. It some of the stuff that Sim throws out there, Sim throws out there. It's like no, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But he's he's had pretty uh, good luck with that in the past. So yeah, that's 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 a positive, and I I I definitely give Mond a year or two to uh, to polish up some of the stuff that he needs to polish before he's a starter but yeah it's it's exciting i guess i do think having mon behind cousins as much as i love and i mean eric i love to give kirk cousins shit (laughs) i do i do think kirk cousins is really you know he's the perfect guy to to learn from right like he's no bullshit He, he takes the work seriously he's a hard worker he, you know, Kirk Cousins isn't the most athletic person in the world. He has to work his ass off to get to that, you know, to get the accomplishments that he's had so far. Mm-hmm. So I do think Mond is, you know, a guy who's very like raw talent. Is that's that's the kind of guy you want him behind. Um, it's it, it it's it's exciting. Uh, if you're a, if you're a Vikings fan, you need to be very excited uh, about hearing. Sims say that Sims had a weird off season as a 49, as a 49ers fan. Let me just say this. Like, I wish I could like turn my mic up so I could be like, Sims had a weird off season. He really (laughs) did. And I got to say, I was at the forefront, just like watching say all this wild shit about Mac Jones and, you know, obviously Trey Lance and all this. And I, and I think a lot of the, uh, you know, kudos that we gave chris sims which is as we mentioned very deserved he's gotten a lot of great a lot of things right last few years he's gonna take a hit this year because i don't think that mac jones is gonna be that guy and i do think trey trey lance will end up being that guy um and i i think that might might be something that is interesting uh, but the, the the thing is is you're not gonna see mon play this year like we've already talked about it right. Cousins never gets injured um you know, I would be interested to see who do you think plays sooner, Lance or Mond? Mm, Lance, because I don't think yeah, Garoppolo is making it through sixteen games. Yep, I think we're seeing Lance. I I would say, like we said, was the Vikings and Niners play Week Twelve. I would be surprised if Lance doesn't start that game. I think you guys are going to be very, very surprised. Really? You, you think I, you, you think Garoppolo is going to start the whole year? Let me just tell you this. Let me let me just tell you from my perspective as a 49ers fan. Garoppolo tears his ACL in a non-contact play. Absolutely terrible. Really messed him up. But obviously it was a freak accident. Last year, high ankle sprain. Came back two games later. Trying to help his team stay in it. Because they just went to the Super Bowl the year before. Obviously there's a lot of motivation. Re-injures it. Says, fuck it. Season's over. I'm not coming back till next year. He goes into this season fully healthy. This is the best team he's ever played on as a starting quarterback. Obviously, the Patriots have some pretty damn good teams. But Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo, if you look at the snap count of those three on the same field on the field at the same time last year, it almost never happened. Certainly didn't happen with fucking Jimmy at quarterback, right? Because Debo was gone for the first two weeks because of COVID. I, or because of an injury, I you with COVID and all all that bullshit. So Jimmy's going into the season this year with the best offensive line he's had, easily above and beyond like levels. Like one of the biggest increases in talent levels alone this year is from the receivers he had Super Bowl year run 
and this year. Just night and day. Like, I don't even, like, Dante Pettis, Richie James, you only had, you know, Marquise Goodwin, who didn't even see the field. And then, uh, you know, obviously Emmanuel Sanders, who was half, you know, half of the season. I just think that if Jimmy can stay healthy, which I don't see a reason why he shouldn't, considering a high ankle sprain isn't something you look to worry about down the road. And, you know, ACLs nowadays, I'm not expecting him to tear his ACL again. So if he stays healthy, he's got the best team he's ever had. And it's going to be hard for Trey Lance to see the field if he does. Hey, I mean, the Bears benched uh, Trubisky last year when they were, what, 4-0 or something like that? So, but no, well, no you're, they benched you're, him in the middle of the uh, Falcons game. Oh, the comeback. Oh, the Falcons saved. The, yes, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> did you? Did you, Eric? Is that a real <laughs> oh, forgetful moment no, from you? No, maybe, maybe I brought it up because the, the Falcons were involved. Maybe, sure. But no, you, but you're absolutely right, Evan. Like, to be serious, like that he's – this team, the roster around him is the best team he's probably be- ever been on for sure. Yeah. I mean, then we also don't even know yet because they haven't played, but like Aaron Banks and the other guard, like they took two massive human beings. I got to say, if you're Jimmy, you can appreciate this as a North Dakota state guy. I said it on Twitter a while back, but like if you're Jimmy G this year, you're probably like, what the fuck? Because they go quarterback, guard, guard, you'd receiver, like, Run, no, you know, run two running backs, two guards, quarterback. And he's just like, you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you fucking kidding me? So I'm, exi- I'm excited for him. And I'm excited for Trey Lance down the road, too. The mm. kid's going to have a, a lot of good players around him. Last thing I'll say on the Lions before we move to the Bears. Um, the Lions, I do think there was one room, one thing I, I think I'm pretty optimistic about. It's the inverse of the Vikings, which is, I think their offensive line is going to be really good. I think absolutely. This, I think this the Panesul pick was great. I think having him on one side and Decker on the other, Rag now at center, like they have invested a bunch as well. But like we talked about with the the way this offensive line drafting works, for whatever reason, the Lions when they invest the draft capital, it works out at the offensive line. But when the Vikings, it just doesn't. I I really think this offensive line at Detroit is going to be one of the best in football. Yeah, I think they have. I think it's the best in the division. Like the the mm-hmm. Packers have had that title for a while, but yeah, I mean, top to bottom, there there isn't a weak spot on there. And that's the one saving grace if Jared Goff's going to have one this season is he should at least have time to throw to absolutely no one outside of T.J. Hawkinson. But at least he'll have time. The Chicago Bears. So Andy Dalton, QB one. Justin Fields <laughs> fell to them. We'll see what happens if he's going to be under center week one. We assume we're going to see him at some point sooner rather than later. Um, this is one of the more intriguing. They bring back Allen Robinson. There's a lot to like about this group. This is a really fascinating team to me because I just look at this and I'm like, man, so much is going into what happens this year like i (laughs) so many jobs are on the line across the board here i i just think this is an interesting place to be because like you're trying to navigate two different things we're like i think how the bears start and how the bears finish matters more than anything else because i don't think they're competing for a super bowl berth i don't think they're competing for a division title but if they hold off justin fields and he goes through some hits a bad rookie wall and they finish one and four down the stretch with him they're all gone but if you start justin fields week one then by week 15 you hope he's gotten out 
all those rookie issues and he's just lighting the world on fire, wrapping it up. Even if you're not making the playoffs, there's a lot of hope that he's figured it all out. I am so fascinated to see how the Bears walk this tightrope because they have the offensive skill talent. Like I love the Cohen Montgomery, like just the back and forth. Jimmy Graham is still somehow getting snaps in the NFL in 2021, but like they drafted Tevin Jenkins to anchor the left side of the top of the line in the second round. They have Robinson, Mooney, Bird, Miller, Ridley. They have a bunch of dudes that I like at the wide receiver spot. And, you know, they still have this guy. Let me check my notes here. Khalil Mack on the outside. <laughs> and I'm like, huh, this team, it's hard for me to see them be really bad. They have a lot of, yeah, this guy's good. But then they have a lot of depth issues. The quarterback situation, just the, I would say the secondary in general, pretty terrifying. Not sure how that's going to go. Going to guess bad. But then... You're just like, hey, guess who the OC is right now? Bill Lazor. My guy, Bill Lazor. That dude, <laughs> big fan. Cincinnati, Miami, big fan of his. Like, I read some pieces on him. I was like, I'm all in on this guy. Then you have Sean Desai. Eric, have you read the pieces on how much of an NFL, like, defense savant this guy is and his rise to becoming the DC in Chicago? Like, the Bears are just the weirdest team in this division, and I don't think it's any anywhere close. Yeah, I mean, you, I don't, I really don't know what to expect from this team. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see anything from like a four and thirteen season to some. Somehow they're competing for the playoffs, especially if Fields hits and is good right away. I mean, this is, there are so many intriguing spots because, like, the one thing personally as a Vikings fan, I was really bummed out that they didn't wave Akeem Hicks because I literally have picked Vikings and Bears games depending on Hicks's availability if if Hicks because Hicks you know he's been banged up throughout his career if Hicks is sitting I usually pick the Vikings if it's opposite especially against the <laughs> Vikings offensive line he absolutely destroys the Vikings and he, he he makes the Packers life pretty miserable as well so but like so yeah they have the they have some. I mean Roquan Smith really came on last year I thought he had a great season and he's he's gonna be scary but yeah there, there's I mean they they're they're putting some uh, faith in Desmond Trufant, I think. Uh, uh, I mean, I really, I've, uh, Eddie Jackson has always killed the Vikings as well, and I think he's still going to be good. But yeah, I mean, there are so many different, you know, it, revolving doors of, of you know, okay, when does Field start? When you know, does Dalton hold down the fort well enough? It, do these other guys outside of Allen Robinson finally step up? And they do have some interesting players. Like I, I like the Miller, and I think think Mooney really came on at the end. They have a pretty good offensive line. But yeah, again, this is, is these this team is really hard to figure out for me. I mean, the more I, I look at them, the more confused it, of of how, <laughs> how they'll do. I will say this: it really breaks my heart that Justin Fields couldn't have joined uh, the Bears the first year that Khalil Mack was there. Right, because all they fucking needed was a quarterback, and, and we're you know we you, Chase you said earlier like they're not competing for the the Super Bowl. I do think the Bears are competing for them and their city and their fan base for one of the most important things they've been competing for in the last like five six years, and that's like excitement in the city again. You know, I don't know if you've been to Chicago, but it's one of the most amazing cities in the world. Genuinely one of the most exciting cities in the world. One of my favorite places to be. And they love football. And that poor, poor football, you know, football town has had, you know, some early good years, but some very sad years with Jay Cutler. 
Well, and the then, good news is they're moving to Arlington Heights, so they can get out of the city. Let's, let's not even do that. <laughs> um, but but obviously, you know, they've had a stretch of bad quarterbacks, and then now, you know, the true bitch Trubisky, you know, taking someone that high of a pick and missing, and then having Nick Foles come in. It's just like it has been sad times in Chicago. And I think they're competing to be excited again about their quarterback situation. And if Justin Fields can come in, and I think it's not only tangible because he's a talented quarterback, but you have like the perfect storm, right? You have a pretty decent roster, a city that's excited, and you have Justin Fields who's probably ready to murder everything. Right. Like you talked about the Aaron Rodgers fuck you tour last year. Right. Like you, that type of motivation exists with Justin Fields right now. He's like, not only did you let, you know, Zach Wilson, but then Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence all before me, I think I'm the best quarterback in the NFL. So I'm hoping that Justin Fields goes into, you know, I want him in there week one. If he looks good in camp, week one, get him in there. So a waste of time to have Andy Dalton take reps from Justin Fields, unless he's just not ready. But I just don't see that happening. I I don't know. Like I so here's the thing. Also, guess what? Um, I, I, Eric, can you give me one uh, Ohio State quarterback that has succeeded in our lifetime? Any of our, our lifetimes? I can tell you, it's not Troy Smith. It's not talking about Haskins. 40, 49ers legend Troy Smith. It's not Craig Kinzel. It's not uh, Justin Zwick. It's not. Uh, heck, how much more can I go? JT Barrett. It's not hey, fair well, to let, Justin Fields. He's the most well, talented that they had in a long time. But like, there is something too. Like, I, I think until it happens, part of me wants to bet it gets like when you think about the first round and just all the talent at quarterback. Not all these guys are going to work. Like, look at that the Jared Goff draft class now. Like, it's insane. It's just a bloodbath. And we all saw it differently just a couple years ago. I guess my question is that, like, when we look at that and we think about this, I'm just like, somebody's going to have to bomb. And you know who I might bet to bomb? The quarterback from Ohio State playing for the Chicago Bears, where quarterbacks go to die. Head coaches for Ohio State? Who... How long has Ryan Day been the head coach of Ohio State? Uh, this is year three. I want to say now. right since 2019. Mm-hmm. It's not Ohio State has had like two head coaches for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of continuity in their bad decisions, or you know, in their ability to do really well with quarterbacks that didn't pan out, pan out in the NFL. I'm not going to give Ryan Day, 49ers legend, by the way, mm. Ryan Ryan Day, quarterbacks coach. Uh, he doesn't have to take on that history, right? Like Justin Fields is one of the most pro ready quarterbacks we've seen coming out of the NFL in a long time. And just because urban Meyer, who, you know, some of the greatest coaching in the last 20 years in terms of college did it with Tim Tebow, right? Like clearly urban Meyer does not need an NFL ready coach. Motherfucker wins championships with some of the worst NFL quarterbacks we've ever seen in our entire life. But I'm not, it doesn't have to be Ryan Day that also is that to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand why you would put that stigma on Justin Fields. It's not even just Justin Fields. It's, I don't know. I just think it's the combination. Like, you have to bet against somebody, right? Like, they're not all going to. Yeah, but like, they're not all going to work. So, with the Jets, the Bears, 
the 49ers, and the Jaguars. Like, if you had to say only two become multi-time all like pro bowlers, who of those two do you bet right. on? Right, but let me give you perspective in how you look at that because I agree with what you're saying. But would you rather it be Trey Lance, who's going into one of the best situations possible for a quarterback, Justin Fields, who's also going into an incredibly good situation. If Trevor Lawrence wasn't as highly touted as he is, wouldn't you think, man, I don't know if I fucking trust Urban Meyer in the Jacksonville Jaguars. If I'm betting against quarterbacks and I'm doing it with like really just like maybe like a very clear mind, I'm betting against Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. The reason I don't, and I would say Lawrence is, I would be absolutely floored. I mean, I watched just about every game of Lawrence and I've seen just so many saps of him and Justin Fields, but like Lawrence is almost like he is just bust proof. I feel like I I really do believe that. And I think what's going to happen with him in Jacksonville is what happened to Deshaun Watson in Houston, where he is just going to immediately get them to six and 11 and he is going to mask a lot of issues with I didn't love their draft. I didn't love ETN there at the early second round. I didn't like a lot of their stuff. But like I just I think Lawrence is going to mask a lot of that, kind of like with O'Brien and just what that situation was and just how weak the AFC South is. Um I would be floored if Trevor Lawrence is not a multi-time Pro Bowler and is not seen as a top five, top ten quarterback with it. But that's years. that's lit. You you said it yourself. Yes, Deshaun Watson will you know was a great quarterback, and we're we're long past that with all the shit that's going on with it. Right, him. but he's still a top five quarterback before. Right, but like, like, do you think that Andrew Luck was hindered, especially when you consider inj- injuries as well, with how poorly that team was run? No. Okay. So you don't think the the way the the offensive line that they drafted or anything about how they protected him, nothing to do with that? No, I think what I'm saying is that he overcame all that and he was going to be good no matter what the situation. My, and I'm right, not sure my, if Fields my, and Lance and Wilson are capable of being greater than some of their parts or just bad coaching like that luck dealt with. I think Trevor Lawrence is like bad coaching proof. But you just said bad it, GM though, proof right? too, with your guy well, Trip Balky. What are you gonna do though when you look at the this year and I you know I won't even pull up the draft right now, but there's some offensive lineman that got drafted in the second round that got drafted after Ednian that's fucking killing it. And Trevor Lawrence gets sacked like 30 times in a season <laughs> because they took a fucking running back instead of an offensive lineman. Those are the things that I'm talking about. I'm not betting against Trevor Lawrence's talent. I'm betting against the team and the organization that he's on. Mm. I guess my whole thing is like, I guess right now, Eric, we're doing the four because like the Bears and just with fields right. and what's going to happen there, betting on a Bears quarterback. And you know the history of the Bears quarterbacks, along with Ohio State quarterbacks. We know the history of Ohio State quarterbacks. Not a great marriage. But like if you had to do two of that four, because we know all four are not going to hit. We know at least two of those guys are going to bust and be on different teams in like five years. And especially with the way the NFL is moving now and cutting bait before that second contract. Like, if you had to say, like, for me, it's Lance and Lawrence. I would feel the safest betting on it. And it pains me as a Zach Wilson stand to say that. But, like, I'm betting against the Jets and the Bears. Like, I'm betting against those situations than the Niners and the Jags with Lawrence and with But Lance. the Bears have a better roster than the Jags. 
but they're in a tougher division. I think the the AFC South is just available, and I think there is just so much room for him to just. There's no pressure. Jacksonville is different. Like it's it, like they're coming off Blake Bortles. They're coming off Gardner yeah. Minshew. Like there is no pressure for Trevor Lawrence. Like there is none. Yeah, you're say I, there's no pressure for the uh, the number one overall pick. One no of the, pressure no. at all. No. Have you been to Jacksonville? Was just there a couple weeks ago. They're already obsessed. Like it, it, there's no pressure. They're, they're the Jacksonville Jaguars. They went through the AFC title game with Blake Bortles. A lot of bad quarterback play for a long time. They were all in on David Garrard. Like that was a thing. I remember arguing with my cousin from Jacksonville about this. Where he was like, "He's amazing." I'm like, "David Garrard is not amazing." He beat the Steelers. Congratulations. Like this is uh, I, I was. I used to get so annoyed by those conversations. Like they are beaten down by their lack of quality quarterback play since Mark Brunell. It's been 30 years. Well, I mean, the, the the good place literally made a character out of a Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> fan. Like, oh my God. You know what's funny about that? My girlfriend down. was just telling me about that. She's like, I know who the Jaguars are because of the good place. That and was I was like, place. what are you talking about? And she was like, yeah, no, there's a Jacksonville character. Yeah. Oh God. That, that, I mean, the, the inside jokes on that show just that were just for sports fans were pretty great. Like, I mean, they, they were, they were, you know, they had to appeal to everyone in that show, but that was, there's some of the Bortles jokes where they just knocked me over. And my wife would kind of look at me like, why are you laughing? I'm like, Oh, I tried to explain it. Like, never mind. Just it's Bortles. Yeah. The, the Bortles jokes were great. Sports yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean the, the, the urban Meyer thing scares the shit out of me because I think he could be a, a worse version of Nick Saban on the dolphins. I really like that. Mm. They're, he he has that potential like he's the whole father figure thing and like when he was at Ohio State and Florida and all his stops like I, he can he you can do that with college age kids if he tries to be the father figure to grown ass men it's it's going to be a pretty rude awakening again the, there's no debating the exes knows he he knows his football we all know that but just the the attitude that he has brought to the locker room that's been made him so successful as a college coach i'm not 100% sold that it's uh, going to translate over to the pros but I I I couldn't pick against Lawrence too. He's he's done it at every stop. I mean, he he just he just wins football games, and of course, you know, that's a much better football situation to Clemson than he's going to walk into at Jacksonville. He's going to lose games. He's going to lose several games this, and probably in this first couple of years. I yeah I I I like Zach Wilson too, but like I think he's definitely one of the candidates out of it. And you know, personally, I'm hoping that the. The, the bad juju from Ohio State and Chicago combining and it will be just one bad explosion for fields but oh wow <laughs> I, 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 I just don't think the I, I I was I hated the pick as a as a some of the covers of Vikings and a Vikings fan because I really liked field I mean the Viking there was talk that the Vikings were kicking the tires on trading up for fields themselves so like that's that I really think fields is going to be good so I man I and of course, I can't pick against Lance. So, like, can I can I just pick Zach Wilson twice? <laughs> and again, I th- he could be very good too. Like, this is it could be a special quarterback class, but you, we're, we're probably right. So two of those quarterbacks are going to surprise everyone, and and it's 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 not going to work. There's going to be a Blake Bortles in that group, and it, that, that's the the crazy thing about the the crapshoot that is the NFL draft. The only thing that I will say, though, that it gives us some semblance of a hope of this not necessarily happening is that there is a perfect storm here. Zach Wilson is going up, going into a Kyle Shanahan offense, mm-hmm. which is always good for quarterbacks. Trey Lance is obviously going into an absolutely loaded roster with an absolutely incredible head coach. Mm-hmm. Lots of hope. The Bears have a very good roster, straight up. Got a good roster 
great running game, really quarterback friendly. And Trevor Lawrence is obviously the, the you know the the most exciting quarterback to come out of college since Andrew Luck since Peyton Manning, right? So I think if ever there was a way for all four quarterbacks to be special, this is a year it could happen. Um, you know, not to just be like guaranteeing that someone will suck. Um, it is easy for me to root against the Jaguars, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see. The last team we're going to talk about, and we I wanted to save them for last because I think there's the least amount to say about this team because we just don't know what's going to happen with a certain quarterback. Um, I'm sure Eric is hoping for one scenario to happen more than the other, but the Green Bay Packers, um, they changed DCs. Joe Barry is in there right now. You got Lafleur. You got another. Speaking of Shanahan disciples, we got him there. Like. Aaron Jones is back. You got Aaron Rodgers. You got Devontae Adams not going anywhere. You draft Amari Rodgers in the third round. Still, like, eh, it's okay, depth-wise. Um, David Bakhtiari is back. Like, the this offensive line is not going to be as good as the Lions, but I think it's the second-best offensive line in this division. Um, I don't know. Like, I think we all just have this lasting memory of Kevin King getting torched, but they took a corner to address it. They took Eric Stokes out of Georgia. It seemed like a reach at the time. A lot of people still feel that way. You have Josh Jackson. You have Jair Alexander, who's one of the best corners in football. You still have Adrian Amos. You still have Darnell Savage Jr. You have the Smiths. Like, you... I don't know. I think there is a lot of room for optimism. I think if Aaron Rodgers is still there for a year, um, I think at the very least, this is it. If they do do one more year, this is, this is it for him. But I do think that they should be considered the favorite and maybe even the favorite to come out of the NFC. Evan, what do you think? I mean, you know, it's been very fun as a 49ers fan bagging on the Packers the last four or five, six years. I mean, you know, you had Colin Kaepernick smacking the ever-loving shit out of him twice. 49ers got two good games and you know one at the end of the season obviously on the super bowl run and one during the playoffs um it's their pain is my amusement and i think me and me and eric pretty pretty lined up on that one. Oh, um, virtual high five for me right, right. you're, you're you know right on the same page there right so uh, i was very excited last year when they took a quarterback in the second round or the end of the third first um you know, and I was very excited when they didn't take a single receiver in an entire NFL draft when it was arguably one of the best receiving, uh, you know, draft classes in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a pretty pretty decent draft this year. Uh, I like Amari Rogers. Um, I just, I do think that they win their division most likely. Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, but like. I'm really curious curious to see, like, when that season starts, do they just say, fuck it, let's play football, and Rodgers is like, fuck it, let's go win some football games? Or, like, is this finally the season where they're, like, they're all kind of like, you know, remember, none of the receivers showed up to the beginning of, like, OTAs, right? They're all like, oh, fuck you guys. Disrespecting Aaron Rodgers, that's our, that's our, that's our quarterback. Like, is there, like, is anything going to come from this in a negative manner? Because that's what I'm most paying attention to. I do think the roster got better. I do think Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think they can do some things, but like, 
does the fabric of the football team stretch, break, crack at all from this Aaron Rodgers situation? I I think so, but like I also just think it's interesting because I want to see what the fallout is from this because it seems like it, there's no coincidence that he's hanging out with Tom Brady, that he's golfing with Brady, that part of this has to see has to be what Tom Brady did, and not just because he was in the NFC title game, but because like Brady just won, called his own shots, got his own guys, brought brought in Gronk, was just the leader in Tampa, and won a Super Bowl. And I think Rodgers believes, perhaps rightly rightfully so, that he can do the same thing, and that like. The Packers preparing for life after Aaron Rodgers when he's still playing at MVP level is asinine. And I think he's looking at like what the Saints did with Drew Brees, where they're like, hey, you know what? They didn't win a title, but like they rode this out with their franchise cornerstone. They rode it out. They gave him every opportunity. There were some bad breaks along the way, but like ultimately they gave it their all at the end for him. And I think he's looking at that and he's going, why would I stick around or why should I be okay with them taking Jordan Love and taking AJ Dillon and doing this dumb shit when he's like, I could just go somewhere else and immediately win a Super Bowl with Denver. Like why I, I want to win. And you guys are just getting, you're preparing for life after me while I'm still here. And I wonder if teams around the league after this are like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't just always be thinking seven years down the road. And that, once we have this all-time great quarterback, maybe we should focus on making sure that we maximize this window because chances are the person following them is not going to be the same person. Like, just not going to be the same. That's what I think about the Falcons all the time. Like, the guy replacing Matt Ryan, probably not going to be this good. Uh, I have my, like, I could be wrong, but it's unlikely. I just, I wonder about this because it can be so bad after. Just ask Chiefs fans before Mahomes. Just ask, like, like it can be so bad and can be so bad for so long that, like, you should honor these quarterbacks by going all in at the end and giving them every opportunity, adding more to the receiver room. And I think Rodgers and is right trading enough. Julio Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two different things. I, 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 why do you want to hurt me, Evan? Why do you want to hurt me? But I just I think it's interesting. And I think Rodgers has a lot on his side and I wonder if front offices around the league are going to adjust that is what I'm so fascinated by and I because like you said Evan the the wide receivers got his back and I would assume the players by and large have Aaron Rodgers back we know back to Yari has his back so I don't think it's going to really hurt the locker room if he plays one more year like I think they're all backing him I don't think it's a locker room situation for him I think it's a front office Mark Murphy and Brian Gutenkens thing for him so i don't i don't think it will actually affect on the field at all i'm i'm with you chase i think that if he shows up i mean he could show up two hours before week one and the team would welcome him the the locker room would welcome him back he's proven it he he knows what he needs to do to, to prepare for a season and i think that's it's really interesting to me like out of all the leagues you know the nfl the I think Aaron Rodgers would love to have an NBA type situation because you see like all the players in the NBA basically if you're not happy on your NBA team you can get out of there within a couple of months and that's the NFL is the one remaining league where it doesn't seem to to work like that and I really think Rodgers is obviously a different guy like he he plays he 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 has a different way of thinking about a lot of things and I think he's made himself publicly you know it, he's been in the public eye you know he's got this celebrity fiance he's been on these golf tournaments he's been uh 
He's been in public plenty, and I think that's a, a calculated thing. He is he's showing this like, yes, I, I know you, you drafted Jordan Love, but he, he, and basically last year was a middle finger to not only the NFL, but his team too. Like, no, by the way, I still have a ton left in the tank. And that's the thing that scares the hell out of me as a Vikings fan is like, if okay, now the, the Packers really pissed off Rodgers. Okay, now I'm going to play even better than my MVP season. And I'm just going to go scorched earth on the entire NFL. And then I'm going to make you trade me at the end of the season, you know, even if they, uh, you know, unless they win a Super Bowl or something like that. So that it's, it is, it's, it's super fascinating. I'd still be completely shocked just from both ends that if Rodgers doesn't play for the Packers this year, just because it costs the Packers basically more money to try to trade him. And, and there's, and especially with cutting him or anything else or waving him, then that's, that's just not going to happen. And yeah, like life after the again, the Packers of, of any team, they've had three straight decades of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And the fact that they only have two Super Bowls to show for it is kind of incredible. I mean, just I mean, think of the the teams, especially the the other teams in their division, you know, how many quarterbacks that, that the Vikings and the Bears and the Lions have had to run through. And it's I guess outside of Stafford and Detroit, but like it is amazing that that they haven't had kind of more success and again it's it's the same kind of thing with with other teams that the Packers have had some really bad breaks in the postseason they've been close they should be the favorite and they 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 are the Vegas favorite to, to win the NFC North and unless the the unbelievable happens and uh Rodgers somehow doesn't show up they they should be the favorites because they have a really good team around him but it's it's going to be really intriguing to see how it plays out yeah but I'm, I'm with you Chase I don't I don't see it affecting the locker room as long as Rodgers is there and playing at his usual level his his teammates will have his back I'll follow Andrew Brandt who believes that this is it after this year like he's going to do this year it's going to get dragged out but he's going to play and this is it and then he's gone after this year like that yep I trust Brandt on that one and then who knows like then who knows what happens I have no idea I mean I hope it's Denver personally as a football fan I would like to see him in Denver you bring up the NBA stuff Man, I the NFL has to hope that these quarterbacks do not win these leverage battles because that would be the worst thing that could happen to the NFL. Um, I don't think the NFL will ever be toppled just because of the finite amount of games, just appointment television across the week. Like, it's just, I think the NFL will always be king. But yep. part of the reason the NFL is king and has been king for so long is when your team stumbles on a Joe Montana, stumbles on a franchise quarterback like a Brett Favre or an Aaron Rodgers or a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady, they know they got them for 15 years. Like the quarterback's not going anywhere. They're like, oh my God, this is awesome. We have a franchise type guy for forever. We can latch on. We can buy the jersey. We can like receivers, running backs, offensive linemen, defensive backs. Those guys can all, they're interchangeable. They can come and go. Fans can get over that. But if quarterbacks start asking out and start bet, just moving around, if Patrick Mahomes gets antsy in Kansas City at age 28, that's a problem for this league if they move around because so much of college football and the NFL is just about latching on to the quarterback and being invested in these guys over a long period of stretch. And if they start moving around, that is a bad, bad thing for the business and for this fan base where they're like, man, this, this sucks. I can't even just... I don't even get to 
cheer for my guy for 15 years. Like we finally found a quarterback that could get us to the promised land. And he got unhappy because we didn't draft the right offensive lineman for him for two years, or we didn't win a Super Bowl for two years. Like, and now he wants out or he wants a bigger market or whatever. Like that sucks. That's really bad for the league. You don't want that. I promise you. Can I just say you're sounding very pro corporation right now? <laughs> it's not pro corporation. What I'm saying is like it's this is pro you're fan. Saying, no, this is pro fan. This is pro fan. Fans why can't do you, not want to see these guys move around? Well, why can't you just say it like this? Take care of your fucking quarterback and don't draft. Right. Well, no, like sometimes the, the quarterbacks are wrong. Russell yeah. Wilson is wrong in Seattle. He has been wait, wrong wait, wait, wait. this whole time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Him asking Did to you go just to say Chicago. Russell Wilson. Wait, Russell Wilson is wrong. They've. They, they had the worst offensive line. I mean, they do that I, on purpose, though. They've talked about this. They, how dare you Schneider make me defend the Seahawks? <laughs> I, how dare you? <laughs> they've they've they do this on purpose, him- man. He can move around. He is the best guy at like he belongs out of the pocket. Like you don't have to invest a bunch in the offensive line in Seattle because of the way Russell Wilson plays. Like that's how he plays. There's no point in it. He is meant to be outside the pocket that is his comfort zone that's where he finds guys downfield that is how he works he's always rolling out that is his thing you don't have to have an elite offensive line around him you don't have to invest in it and you saying you want to go to chicago are you kidding me that's where you want to go that's where you want to go out like that's the trade demand like seattle you want to move on to chicago where quarterbacks go to die get out of here like that's you don't want to win (laughs) Could you? I I I would just quit if it was Wilson and Rogers. Basically, two people that like <laughs> I don't even want to know their career records total against the Vikings. But but I, I know Wilson has never lost to the Vikings, and they played Seattle every freaking year. So yeah, um, I don't think it's going to become widespread or anything. But I think Rogers is really testing this out because he sees Patrick Mahomes getting a giant ten-year contract because he sees all these other quarterbacks getting taken care of because. Franchises are painfully aware of this. They, if I mean, they're they're selling hope when they draft these quarterbacks. All four of the the those first or all five of the first round quarterbacks this year. That's the thing they want. They want their guy to turn out to be the 15 year guy. They want the Patriots want Mac Jones to be the next Tom Brady. Is it going to happen? I have serious doubts. But that's what they're selling is is the hope that they can be the the what the Packers have been. I mean, let's be honest, they've been spoiled with it for for 30 years of it now and that's i don't yeah i don't i wasn't going i wasn't saying that yeah i would i would i'm worried about it happening a lot just because i think the nfl teams have too much power and there's too much turnover on all different parts of the roster but it'll be really interesting to see how far rogers is willing to push it i again i'd i'd be shocked if he if he missed significant time yeah, I mean, going at me pro corporation tonight was that what? You are, I mean, you, you are no, the, the, it's pro the fan. An, no, no, no. The the answer period is take care of the quarterback. quarterback no, more position. Russell Wilson does not NFL. need to be taken care of anymore. Like that most is ridiculous. Most important position in sports is is quarterback. First off, that, but that yeah. First off, there's there's so many things wrong with what you're saying how <laughs> dare you do this at the last part of the fucking podcast when i can't dive into it carson not, Wentz was wrong Derek Carr usually wrong no one no one's fucking cares about Derek Carr's engine don't 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 you do that we're talking about russell wilson you oh, don't want russell Wil- you you don't want i i think i'm pretty sure i already am you you don't want russell wilson in the gm room 
making those decisions. You look at what he did with DK Metcalf the first time he's had an actual talented receiver. Literally, like, full no, talent. No, Doug Baldwin? No, no, no. no. That's my, Tyler Lockett. That's my fucking point. Mm-hmm. That's my point. These guys are made good. Lockett is not that. Lockett is very talented. Mm-hmm. But Doug Baldwin is not having half the career he had if it wasn't for fucking Russell Wilson. My point is not that they weren't good. It's that if, just like I'm saying with the 49ers and a running back, right, rather than bargain bin shopping and letting your fucking coach or your quarterback excel these players you should be giving them dk he shouldn't be in year 10 getting a dk metcalf no but he he had other options like they built a super bowl around him they won a super bowl with him yeah they built a a super bowl around a fucking defense man do you know how many other franchises would kill to be in the situation or how many other quarterbacks around the league would kill to be in russell wilson's situation I, I almost said it half joking, but you really are pro corporation right now. <laughs> like full on, like full on, like you're like anti union, like <laughs> like anti PTO, you like all the above. Like No, I'm saying some quarterbacks are care. right, some aren't. Like Matt Stafford should have been freed from Detroit a long time ago. Like that that was a monstrosity what happened with him. Like he wasted years of his prime there. But other guys, like, no, they're wrong. Like there are some guys that are just wrong, and we have to just say that they're they're wrong. Aaron Rodgers is not wrong. Aaron Rodgers well, isn't wrong. I just made the whole case ten minutes ago. I know, but Aaron, Rod- but th- that's my. But if Ben Roethlisberger though. was like ten years ago, mm, not doing enough. You're like, what are you talking about? What what, what is well, happening here? But but, you, but that you're, you're literally making my point. They took care of Ben Roethlisberger. They did. They listened to him. They put talent around him. That's the entire point of it. And thank you. Congrat. You know, honestly, thank you for. <laughs> I you're doing a better job of arguing my point than I am, and I appreciate that. That's why we're. Such but good what friends. I am ultimately saying is, if Josh Allen and Buffalo, like they finally got it, and Josh Allen, they don't like the Dolphins or something when the division two straight years, and Allen's like, mm, I am a little little concerned here. Like they traded for Dicks. They they did what they, they they did a lot. They've done a lot for Josh Allen to get him once, once, And then he's like, I want to go to the Rams or something. You're like, what 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 is this? This is that's what, what, a bad look for the league. But that's you're you're making like entire like false What I'm saying is that's what's coming. Is I think that's no, no. coming. No, 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 no. You can't just, you can't just say, oh, well, I can't a quarterback's going to want out. Oh, yes, I You're can. You're going to say a quarterback's going to want out for no reason. I think I'm a younger you- quarterback is coming. Like, we're going to see it earlier and earlier and earlier. I think Wilson did it a little bit later than guys are going to do it now, but I think we're going to see good quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks in good situations say, well, this situation's good, but I want to go somewhere else here that's better, that I can win a Super Bowl this year, and they can let win me, the future now. Let me say it like this. And then they're going to go to another team after that, and they'll be on team four by the age 32. Like, they're going to be – that's going to happen. What you're doing right now is you're going, I hope the government – you know, <laughs> I, think, I think what we're expecting is the government's going to say no one can drink water anymore. And you're like, wait, give me a reason. Like, well, no, 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 no. I don't have a reason, but I'm just saying the government's going to say you can't drink water as a society anymore. You think it's a coincidence that Wilson and Rogers and guys like that are, are now all of a sudden just like kind of being more vocal about this and are putting more pressure in their organization. You don't think that you these just, quarterbacks you are looking it. around the league and looking around other leagues and going, yeah, why don't we do that too? It's you don't a, think it's, that's it, what's happening. It's fair, free market economy. It's literally the you, – you have made your own argument here. The Ben Roethlisberger's. Yeah, I'm the against Josh it with Allen's, I'm against no, no, it with the, elite quarterbacks. No, 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 no. The, 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 Josh Allen, Ben Roethlisberger, these uh-huh. are quarterbacks in which the team took care of them. Right. And they have never 
once, and Josh Allen will probably never once demand a trade. Oh, disagree. They... It's coming. That's where we disagree, is I think it's coming. We're going to see an elite quarterback at age right, 26. Right, because the government the is going to tell everyone that you can't drink water. I don't have any reason to, <laughs> to support that argument, but it's coming. So watch. I don't have to, I don't have to defend it with facts or information. I just think it's going to happen. It's the modern quarterback, man. All, it's the modern athlete. All the, all these quarterbacks that have not complained when they were taken care of, yeah, let's ignore that. No, it's coming. There's going to be coming. A... Oh, my God. Join me with this tinfoil hat, Evan. It, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Ridiculous. Y'all hear it. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> July 13th, 2021, you are going to see one of these star quarterbacks demand a trade in their prime because their team is good, just not good enough, and they're going to demand a trade to a worse team just because they like that city better. Like that is going to happen and it's going to be bad for the league. That is my that is my ultimate big hypothesis. That is that is what I think. It's a big theory. Big theory. And people don't call me clairvoyant chase for nothing. Like that the people people Do you understand that a hypothesis has to have like facts and data to support it? Hey, I just gave you some. It was it was great. It was <laughs> well, a wild ride. Yeah. Um Eric, <laughs> to wrap up this long fun podcast. It's late for all of us, but um, your rankings in terms of what you expect the top, the one through four final standings to be in 2021 in the NFL season. How do you see it going in the NFC North? I, I don't think this is revolutionary by any means, and it probably goes along with the Vegas uh, odds for over-unders, but I think I will go Green Bay, Vikings, uh, Bears, Lions, and a big gap be, be, be between three and four, I think, because the Lions are probably going to be pretty crappy this year. I see the Vikings probably sneaking in with a wild card. I would like the, the record that keeps on popping up in my head is the the ten and seven kind of range. I think for the Vikings, that should be good enough to get to the seventh seed. I'm I still can't get over these seventeen game predictions though. Yeah, and everything right. sounds it, oh, it sounds so wrong coming out of your mouth. But um, it's that's in, until we see anything otherwise i think that's the the i i can't go you know i think there's the top two the bears are the absolute wild card and the lions are going to be in their very familiar position you know what i mean we've done it twice i think or haven't we chased that we we well maybe this is the lions here i think both of us <laughs> picked them to like maybe make the playoffs last year not this year not with crazy dan campbell at least not in the first year so uh, that's again not nothing revolutionary but i think that'll be the order evan what do you think you know, I, I I wish I had some like like profound thought here, but I'm literally just going to echo exactly what Eric just said. I think realistically, the Lions are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, I'll be curious to see how soon Justin Fields starts, um, and and obviously that'll go either one one direction or another very quickly, right? If Justin Fields starts and kind of has that like Deshaun Watson style start, like the Bears could be really good fast. Um, so. A lot of a lot of a lot of question marks in this division this year, mm-hmm. um, especially on the second half of the teams. Um, but yeah, I think the you know the Packers are going to be very very good this year. I'm going to say Packers run away with this division, but I do think the Vikings finish three games up on both the Lions and Bears. I think the Bears and Lions finish with the same five and twelve record, Ooh. and the Bears clean house. It's going to be my guess, and I think the Lions get a couple wins just because their offensive line is dominant enough where they uh, they do some stuff, and 
They they win some games they shouldn't. Goff, being a veteran quarterback, I think, has a couple elite games where you're like, oh, that was the guy who was really good and went to Super Bowl. And then that's it. So I think the Lions and the Bears tie for third at 5 and 12. Bears clean house. Vikings um, somewhere in that 8 to 9, 10 win range. Maybe make the playoffs. And the Packers run away at the division. That That is my guess. Yeah. There we go. So. Eric, what can we check out from you at the Daily Norseman this week? Well, uh, we are going to be ramping up some of the training camp coverage. We're checking out to see if if uh, I, I live like a, a whop, like I, two years ago in the before times, I got to cover training camp by biking from my house to uh, TCO Performance Center. I live like less than a mile there, so hopefully that'll be getting lined up. Um, as far as uh, we, That's uh, I've been doing. Yeah, I've been doing a uh, podcast with our guy Flip from the Climbing the Pocket, kind of our brother site from the uh, for Daily Norseman. Uh, I've been doing some YouTube and streaming stuff that and I'm not sure. I, I probably I'm not going to do one this week, but it'll probably be up next week. And when there's actually more, you know, that's this is a nice quiet time. This is the no news is good news, especially with the, the, the some of the off seasons the Vikings have had back in the day. So um, it'll it'll probably be pretty slow the next couple of weeks. But then of course when there's actual football or at least football practice report about we'll be all over it there you go well keep up the great work my friend great having you back on this podcast thank you so much for making the time uh we know it's late so i appreciate it evan anything we should check out from you from two evan two furious on twitter do you even want to direct people to your twitter <laughs> yeah maybe 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 uh maybe 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 uh definitely go check out 49ers but they obviously like you said very very much so kind of a high hiatus right now letting all, all the, all of our writers just kind of take a break and chill and enjoy the off season. Um, probably start ramping things up soon. All right, Eric Thompson, Evan Swords, thank you so much. Talk to you guys soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs>